If y'all will, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. And I know what some of you might be thinking. Ephesians, didn't Pastor Larry just spend a year and a half in Ephesians? Well, he missed something, okay? (laughs) Ephesians chapter 2. As I was talking with Larry about what to preach today, I told him, I said, I want to be complimentary to what you're preaching. He's been preaching on creation. He's been preaching out of Genesis. Um, You can get on the the church website, um, which is... um, Dave, help me. uh, The church website is newhavenbc.com. Okay, newhavenbc. BC stands for Baptist Church. Believe it or not... All right, newhavenbc.com. So y'all can check out the sermons uh, if y'all have missed some from there. Ephesians chapter 2. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body, and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And you can stop right there. I want you to read any further. When Pastor was talking about creation, just to kind of rewind, when God created the earth, when God created man, when God created the plants and the animals and the sun, the moon, the stars, he looked at it and he says, everything is good. I love it. It's the best. Anybody seen Nacho Libre? Okay, no, that's awesome. I'm a dude, and I always refer to stuff through movies like guys do, okay? If you ever have a conversation with a guy, he's always referencing a movie. Watch Nacho Libre. There we go. That's my plug for a really funny movie that's kid-friendly. All right. Jesus was present with him. The Holy Spirit was present with God also. God, the triune God, created everything, and he said, it is good. But at some point, Adam and Eve were tempted. Somewhere in between, the devil and a third of the angels had fallen because of pride. And the devil came to Adam and Eve as a snake, as a serpent, and tempted them. And he caused them to eat of the fruit uh, that was forbidden. And so sin came into the world. And this is what I want to to teach y'all today, that... That sin, if I can, sin is separating us from the cross. I'm here, and God, represented through the cross, Jesus Christ represented through the cross, is there. And there are obstacles in the way. Think of all these instruments as just obstacles, not beautiful instruments, obstacles. And right now, from Adam and Eve's sin... I am separated from God. And so I want to talk about what sin and the effect of sin had on us, it had on the world. In Genesis 1.29, it said that God gave us green plants and seeds and fruit to eat. And he said, that's good. Once sin happened, what happened? You know, the dinosaurs, at some point, they're eating, you know, they're eating plants. And all of a sudden, sin comes into the world, and they look, and they're like, there's a smaller animal. That's my lunch today. People 
started looking around and they were like, you know what? Those plants are good, but that chicken looks amazing. And I'm going to slaughter the chicken or the cow because I want something to eat that is meat. And we became carnivorous other than just eating plants for good food. And I know that scientifically there are a lot of differences and disagreements. But I'm telling you, if, if evolution was true, if it were true, then sin and death and disease would all have happened before the fall. Any kind of gap theory that you try to say, sin, death, and disease all would have happened before the fall of Adam and Eve. And so it's not possible according to the Bible. Okay? So sin and death all happened during the fall. Sin was imputed. And what I'm telling you today has been a controversy for thousands of years. For the past 2,000 years, this has been a controversy within the churches. This is actually uh, part of the controversy that split the Catholic Church from the Protestant Church. Think Martin Luther era, okay? And this is, hey, look, believe me, we have some incredible friends that are Catholic. So this is in no way like uh, uh, putting up a wall against uh, denominations or anything. All I'm saying is that this, what we're about to talk about, has been so debated over quite a few thousand years, okay? Past couple of thousand years. Sin, what did it bring into the world through Adam and Eve? It brought, number one, the separation of God. I have some slides, and this is what I would like to do. I just want to run through these slides and then talk to you, okay? So y'all bear with me through the slides, okay? There's a lot, all right? So let's get through about like 10, 12 slides, and then we'll talk some, okay? It brought hardness of our hearts. It brought pride, sensuality, fear, self-pity, selfishness, jealousy, greed, spiritual bondness, death, and eventually it brought hell. In Psalm 58, 3, it says, uh, even from birth the wicked go astray. In the womb they are, they are wayward and they speak lies. Imputation. I want to I go over this word called imputation. Amputation is when you get an arm or leg severed, Okay. That's amputation, to lose something. Imputation is something, think of it like DNA. It is infected in your body, every part of it, every cell, every, every, every part of your blood, in your bones, in your mind, your heart, your intellect. Everything is imputed with sin. Everything. Our whole nature has been imputed with sin. And so we are fallen. Imputation, to designate any action or word or thing is reckoned to a person or is is caused to a person. Adam's sin was imputed to all his descendants. So through Adam, everybody else was imputed with sin. The whole entire world was imputed with sin. If I was to say, is there anybody in here that's sinless? Man, I, I won't. But that would be incredible because Jesus Christ would be among us today in the flesh and it would be awesome. And when I would just let him talk and let, I'm done But at that point. I'd be like, thank you, Jesus. You just tell us what your word and awesome. But every single one of us, I guarantee, you could probably wake up and have a list full of sins. It probably happened this morning. Is it me, or is it sometimes Sundays and maybe Wednesday nights, these just days that we have church are sometimes the worst days to have sin? Uh, 
it, it was pulling tooth and nail to get my five-year-old out of bed this morning, to get him in the shower, to get here to church to not be late. And it was ever bit of me to not sin in anger. To be like, please, I'm trying to be cool to you, man. I love you. Will you get in the shower? Will you brush your teeth without crying, please? <laughs> it didn't happen. <laughs> but through Adam's sin, through this imputation of sin, we are found totally guilty. Totally guilty. So, what is total depravity? This is a theological uh, sense of, of words, total depravity, totally depraved. This is without Jesus Christ, totally depraved, total in sin. I'll tell you some things that this doesn't mean. Number one, it doesn't mean that we are as evil as we can be. Let me give you an example. My senior year in high school, my parents were going away on a marriage retreat through the church Marriage retreat, you're thinking, this is going to be great, right? My sister was going away the same weekend to go to Georgia to hear Billy Graham speak. And I begged mom and dad, just let me stay at home. Let me stay. It's the big game. There's a football game, and I want to see the football game. And I was thinking, man, this is going to be cool. And it's not because I was like a party dude uh, in high school. I wasn't. Um, I was just thinking... I want to stay home. I don't want to go to Georgia and hear Billy Graham speak, which I should have, you know. You're thinking, what a great opportunity. I agree. Now say, you know, in hindsight. So I stayed at home, and this was mom and dad's rules. They said, you can stay. Nobody can stay in the house with you. I said, okay, cool. And they said, I said, what if I go over to somebody else's house? They're like, that's fine. But nobody can come over to our house and stay. I'm like, cool. So I get to the game, and I'm watching the football game, and I see three of my best friends, and I'm like, hey, what's up, Brian? What's up, Joel? Hey, what's up, man? You know, and I'm like, I'm, I don't want to stay by myself tonight. Y'all want to stay at the house with me? And they're like, yeah, cool. I'm like, awesome. We'll rent a movie. We'll get some popcorn. We'll just watch movies and hang out all night. And they're like, cool. You're thinking, yeah, uh, right, you know, because you were in high school once, and I know how y'all were in high school. But in all honesty, that's kind of how it was. So, the, you know, so one of the guys, Jonathan, he couldn't make it over to my house. And he gets to his house, and his house had been what's called TP. In the South, we call it rolling. Up here, rolling is something totally different, and I didn't know that. <laughs> but in the South, rolling is when you take toilet paper and you throw it in trees and over the houses, and you cover it and you just make it gloriously white, okay, with toilet paper. So we... We're like, you know what, Jonathan? I'm going to come pick you up. It's 2.30 in the morning by this time. So I'll pick you up in my truck. We'll, we'll go to the store. We'll buy a ton of toilet paper. And I know who did this. Well, there was a group of girls that were staying together at another house the same night. And I said, we'll go TP all their houses. And so we did. However, the last house that we went to go TP... That sounds really southern, right? You know, we went to go teepee and everything. <laughs> we pull up, up the road, and it's a, like a loosely gravel road. We pull up there, and me not being that smart, I parked right in front of the house. And you don't do that when you're teepeeing. You got to park down the road and walk, okay? In case you ever get the idea, seniors, okay? Senior citizens, all right? <laughs> Rent a van, senior citizens out on a night, TP in the house. Okay, 
So I park right in front of the house. We get out. We start throwing, you know, toilet paper. And we're like, ah, we're being loud. And, and this was the kicker. I thought, so I don't get caught. Not that they wouldn't recognize my truck right off the bat. I had this wig on. And so it looked like I had black hair down to my waist and a fishing hat, you know, with a rim all the way around it. And I'm just throwing toilet paper. And the dad comes out. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, run! And so we run to my truck, and I take off down the, the hill, and the gravel road does not let me turn, and I go straight, straight into somebody's house. <gasps> yes, I know. And it's like, you pull in the carport of the front of their house, but the back side of the carport is just brick, and my house hits it and destroys that part of the house. It was awful. Well, there were a couple of my friends in the back of the truck. Oh, my gosh. I just thought, I got out. This was funny. We get out, and we start running like they're still going to get us. (laughs) Run. And then about halfway down the road, I start to think, oh, no, my truck. And then Bigger was like, oh, no, the house. No. And so we walk back, and we're like, where's Jonathan? And we're like, I don't know. And so we're thinking, we killed Jonathan. Jonathan's covered in bricks. So we're like pulling bricks off, going, Jonathan, are you okay? And Jonathan had ran. He had ran the whole time. He didn't even jump in the truck. He was way down the road. And so we're... We're almost crying because we thought we had killed one of our best friends. He comes running up. He's like, what'd y'all do? <laughs> what happened? I'm like, oh, Jonathan, you're okay. And then we look at the house and we see the destruction. You see, imputed sin and, and being totally depraved, it could have been much worse, you know? Instead of throwing toilet paper, we could have got out guns and be like, God, never TP Jonathan's house again and rattled the house with bullets and then set the house on fire. You know, you could let your imagination run of how, how bad this could have gotten. Total depravity, right? But God's general grace given to the world a lot of times keeps us from doing the worst thing possible. So you're thinking, what happened with my mom and dad? I called my mom and dad. This is funny, because this shouldn't even be the longest part of the sermon, but it's just entertaining, right? (laughs) I called mom and dad, and I told them what happened, and the first thing they said, are you okay? I said, yeah, we're fine. You know, a little bruised, but we're okay. They said, is the house okay? You know, and I'm like, the house is okay. It's not the livable part of their house. It was just their carport that, that you could pull into, and they're like, okay. And they said, uh, well, we'll talk about this when we get home. They're on a marriage retreat, right? And they're praying together, and they're seeking the Lord, and like, how can we make our marriage better? And I just throw like this bomb. I threw a grenade in the room and ran out and was like, take that, mom and dad. <laughs> can you imagine that marriage retreat? Like, they hang up the phone, and they're like, can we have everybody from all the states that are here in this, and just pray, lay your hands on us and pray over us because listen to what our son just did. <laughs> and so God anointed them totally. They get home and, uh, and they forgave me. And we went over and insurance took care of everything. 
I grounded myself. Uh, I just felt horrible. And I had every kind of nickname you could think of going back to school. Yeah, it's just one of those things you talk about, you know, every time I go back to Alabama and visit. It's like, hey, you hit the house. And I'm like, hey, I'm going to Michigan. I'll see you later. And like, (laughs) that's why I moved, to start over. (laughs) Oh, We're not as evil as we can be. Uh, It doesn't mean that we're in complete ignorance to good and evil. We know good and evil. Adam and Eve knew good and evil. Good is relative. Man cannot perform morally good. It does not mean that man cannot perform morally good acts in the sight of others. I guarantee, look, some some people sacrifice their entire life to do good for others. And so it's not about this, this word good that we could really tear apart, okay? So you might look at your life and go, I'm pretty good. Look at what I do. I do really good stuff. Total depravity. This is what it does mean, that sin corrupted every part of us. Our will, our emotions, our intellect, our entire nature is imputed with sin. Does it mean that everybody does the worst thing possible? No, but every part of us is imputed with sin and it leaves us separated from God. Man is unable to perform any spiritual good towards his salvation. God can't look at us now and say, your good outweighs your bad, therefore, by your goodness, you can come to heaven with me. It killed that. So can we do good things for each other? Yeah, we can. Can we do good things for God without Jesus Christ? No. Not according to God's standards. Remember, who's God? He's holy. He's all-powerful. He's all-loving, right? And with him being all those things, and even more so, he can't let somebody totally imputed with sin into his presence. Total depravity. This is just according to some of our forefathers, okay? Some of the guys who went before us. John Calvin says, man cannot reason except through the grace of God. Man can do no good until salvation occurs. No morals, works can be performed. There was a meeting called the Synod of Dort. This happened around 1618, 1619. And for months, for about eight or nine months, they had over 140 sessions. Now, back in these days, they had to send out letters to all the priests, all the pastors. Everybody had to get together. And then they started hammering out theology. What do we believe? Why do we believe this? And this is what the Synod of Dort came up with. After so, I mean, months and sessions and meetings, they said, we affirm, man inherits the guilt of Adam's sin through Romans 5.12 and is by nature a child of wrath, his mind and will included. Every part of man has been imputed with sin. Back in Augustine's day, this happened around in the 300-400 A.D., him and another uh, person named Pelagius started talking about these things. And Pelagius' thought was, I ought, therefore I can. And, And Augustine, he looked back and he says, I ought, but I cannot. Because he said, there's nothing good in me. Where did he get that? Y'all turn to Romans chapter 3. I've used this passage before, but I want to hammer this home in our minds. 
Romans 3, verse 10. No one is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Their throat is an open grave. It starts to name like body parts, okay? They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Totally depraved. In total sin. And that is what happened through the sin of Adam and Eve. Romans 7, Paul says, Why do I do the things that I know I don't need to? And why am I not doing the things that I know I need to, that I should? And so he, what he was recognizing was, without God, I'm called unregenerate. We'll get to that in a second. Without God, I am cursed. Without God, I am dead in my sin. Without God, I am imputed in my nature. Everything about me is sinful. Without God, I don't seek Him. Without God, I don't care about Him. Without God, I am nothing. That's without God. And there are a few more slides. Total depravity. Therefore, our good works are missing faith in Jesus Christ. There's no faith in Jesus Christ. And our motive of doing them all for the glory of God is done away with. We don't live for Jesus. We don't do anything for Jesus. Nothing is done for His glory. We don't have faith in God. Nothing. That is us without Jesus. That's us without His grace. Let's skip ahead, um, if we will, to the, to the slide that says, Ten and, uh, Sin and total depravity made us. Sin and total depravity made us dead. Ephesians 2, we already read that. Sin and total depravity made us slaves to sin. In Romans 6, it says, you're either, one of two things, you're either a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. We are categorized through Adam and Eve's sin. Slaves to sin or slaves to righteousness. It says that we are faithless rebels. Romans 14.23 says, whatever is not from faith is sin. And you're thinking, great. That good thing that I just did. I bought that dude coffee. We're standing in line at the gas station. And I was like, hey, man, I'll buy your coffee. But you know what? I wasn't thinking the glory of God. I wasn't thinking this could, you know, further the name of Jesus Christ. I just thought, I'll just buy this guy a cup of coffee. Everything done without faith is sin. Everything. And that's who we are totally separated. I can't get to there. Why can't I get there? It's because I'm dead. I'm not sick. I'm not diseased or anything. I'm dead. I'm at the bottom of the deepest part of the ocean. A shark has came by and rip my heart out. I'm dead. 
I'm unresponsive. I'm Lazarus in the tomb for four days. Not three days, thinking maybe there's some kind of hope. I'm Lazarus in the tomb for four days. And what is Jesus doing? He's weeping. It's because our sin just tears out the heart of God. Do you know what your sin does to God? Have you ever experienced what your sin does to God? I can tell you this. I probably ripped my parents' heart out just by giving them the news. I destroyed the truck, and I destroyed a house. And they're like, no. But my sin to God, oh my gosh, it just broke his heart. So how do I get there if I'm dead? If I'm dead in my sin? There are these two words that are amazing within Scripture. And it says, but God. Y'all hear that? But God. Man, here's what happens. You're like thinking, I'm in church today, right? I'm singing songs today. I got my Bible open today. I'm reading God's Word today. Why do you do those things? It's because God took hold of your heart, your dead, imputed soul, and he regenerated it. He started turning your heart. And you say, for some reason, I want to go to church today. That's weird. For some reason, my prayer life has gotten pretty amazing, maybe through tragedies in your life. I have no idea. For some reason, you're thinking... I do believe in God, and maybe this Bible is true. Maybe the words in this is true. For some reason, I'm looking at the words on the screen, and my heart begins to melt. This is called regeneration through the Holy Spirit. And you start to turn this way, and it's God already working in your life. But God, y'all get this, imputation of righteousness. If you're not a slave to sin, you're a slave to righteousness. And this is only done through the Holy Spirit, through Jesus. Romans 5, 17, for if by the trespasses of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace, unmerited favor, and the spirit of righteousness reign in the life through that one man, Jesus Christ. Verse 21, so that Just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, slaves to righteousness. It was the Lord. The Lord caused the dead man to rise. The Lord, God Almighty, caused his own son to rise out of the grave. Jesus Christ, by his spoken word, caused his friend Lazarus to come out of the tomb. Jesus Christ causes us to become alive and to want Him and to want to do good for Him and to want to worship Him and want to have faith in Him and trust only in Him and give Him glory in everything that we do. It's because of Jesus Christ and His love. Imputation of righteousness, but God. Ephesians 2, verse 4. Let's continue to read on what we had started. Ephesians 2, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, hallelujah, 
Because the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, He made us alive with Christ. By grace you have been saved. You raised and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in heavenly places in Jesus Christ, so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. Not as a result of works or of good. So that none of us can boast about it. None of us can brag about it and look inward. We have to look outward and upward to Jesus. For we are what? We are His workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in Him. But God... Y'all turn to 2 Corinthians 5.17. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Our worship leader, Dave Collins, has written a song. And it's from this. 2 Corinthians 5.17. I close with this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Thank the Lord, right? Oh my goodness, man. Here's the difference, okay? Sin used to be who we were, everything about us. But in, in Jesus Christ, it's just called this flesh. Why do I do the things I don't want to? Why am I not doing the things that I need to? It's the struggle. But your nature is made new. You are a new creation. Everything about you now is in Jesus Christ. His righteousness is now imputed into you in your DNA, in your cells, in your blood, in your bones, in your mind, your heart, your will, intellect, everything is imputed with Jesus Christ and His righteousness now. That's the only way that God can look at us and say, you have a place in heaven as well. Thank God for that, right? He used to look at us as imputed with sin, but through Jesus Christ and His grace, we are imputed with righteousness. We are slaves to righteousness. He looks at us as being, what I preached before, justified by grace, justified through righteousness. His justice system looks at us and says, you don't deserve hell anymore. Through Jesus Christ, you go to heaven. Now, oh my goodness, guys, we have a way to fall at the feet of Jesus. We can worship Him. We can cling to Him because this is all we have. Do we have any good in ourselves? No. Can we prove that over and over? Yes. All we have is Jesus Christ. Thank God that's all we have. Do we have anything to brag about? No, we don't. All we have is Jesus Christ. He's forgiven us. He looked at our sin and He says, wiped away. Your sin is not counted against you anymore. All I see is you imputed with righteousness through my son Jesus. Thank God. Thank God. This is my question to you. Do you know him? Because this is my heart. This is what pastor asked me. He says, Kevin, he goes, Luke 11, he goes, if if someone comes up to a man and says, can I have some bread? He says, we don't have anything. We don't have any bread to give them. 
We don't have anything. And, that's, and I look at that as, as that's you. Today, y'all are longing for something from the Lord. I have nothing to give you. But through Jesus and his Holy Spirit, he has everything to give you. And I'm just asking, do you know him? Because if you're thinking, I want to, it is only through the power of of the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ that that's happening. And I pray, give your life to Jesus.